You're listening to a podcast from the Lakes Church in Cairns, Australia. Today we're continuing my earlier conversation with Mike Pilavachi. Last week we brought you the part where he shared a lot about his sense of isolation and loneliness and the difficulties in this season and how God meets us in that place. But today in particular, we're really going to hone in on a desert or a wasteland experience in your life when it feels like things are falling apart and it feels like God is far away. How does God meet us in that place? So we're going to jump back into this conversation and then towards the end, Mike's going to lead us in a reflection and he's going to pray for us. So here we go into the conversation with Mike Pilavachi. Hey, Mike, I'd love to uh, to ask you about your book, Wasteland, which you wrote ages ago. I remember reading and was very in- encouraging. Is Are there some parallels in what uh, even you're experiencing over the last few months or what you feel others are and, and what you wrote in that book? Yeah, actually very, very much so. Um, and, you know, the strange thing is I wrote that. It came out in 2003 and I forgot all about it, really. You know, it was like, oh, well... And then um, in the autumn, uh, November, December, I just started the message of the desert and was just resonating with me again. And I started mentioning the book, but also I started preaching when I went places. I thought, gosh, I haven't talked about, you know, like there's seasons for some things. And I just feel passionate about it again. And then when it's all happened, I thought, that's why. Because it it feels for many of us like a desert, like an emotional desert, um, a spiritual desert, um, a, 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 a mental desert, a physical desert. And it's like, what are the lessons of the desert? And I've always been fascinated because I spent a lot, my early years were tough without going into details. And, and I spent a lot of time feeling I was in a desert emotionally and spiritually. Um, and then looking back, realizing God was there. I thought the desert was a wasteland and God was in the wasteland. And it's where I learned everything in the desert, much more than in the city. And, um, and so I started looking at what was, and I was amazed at how much there is in God's word about God meeting us in the desert. And, you know, after Jesus did great miracles and he got the crowds, he would usually go either into the desert or up a mountain on his own to pray. Mm. It was up a mountain or into the desert. And there are similarities between up a mountain or a big hill and the desert. It's, it's barren. It's dry. It's inhospitable. The desert of Judea, I've been there. It is baking absolutely baking and no one chooses to go into the desert but God in his love he takes us there in order to shape us and to form us or rather he uses the desert now sometimes sometimes he does put us in a place where he withdraws his presence for a season but only that we would seek him and and become hungry and thirsty for him and go deeper into him. Um, And, I mean, you know, the story of John the Baptist is, for me, utterly unbelievable. You know, he was a voice crying in the desert, in the wilderness. And 
we focus, I don't know about you guys in Cairns, well, you've got everything around you, but, you know, you know, the, the, um, the rationale for if you, if you want to grow a church, you've got to have comfortable seating, lots of car parking, air conditioning, a great cafe, real coffee, um, and everything else. And it's got to be comfortable and it's got to be easy. Don't go too long. Um, make, make, make the sermon really accessible and all of that stuff. And I'm not saying all of that's rubbish. It's, it's better to do it well than to do it badly. It's better to be comfortable than uncomfortable. But John was a voice in the desert. And having been there, you have to be mad to go to the desert of Judea. You have to be nuts. But they flocked to the desert because he was a voice and not an echo. And he wasn't an echo of everything else and everyone else. In the desert, he found his voice. In the desert, God had met with him in the crucible of suffering, in the crucible of being alone, and gave him something to say. And when we have something to say, when we have something that is different, something that is of him, people will flock. People will go to uncomfortable places. All bets are off, especially now with all this that's happened. You know, people are longing for reality. They're longing for authenticity. They're longing for a bit of depth and a a bit of of spiritual depth as well. And it's amazing how for John, you know, they came from everywhere and he spoke with an authority that you only really get when you've been in God's presence and you've been in God's presence at the end of yourself and you find the beginning of him. And so that's that's the joy, that's the fruit of the desert. Um, but I'll just say one other quick thing. No, you keep um, going. Yeah. I think um, I think there's 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 three lessons in, in from the desert, um, and and the first one is the lesson of humility, um, because because when we're in the midst of everything, we can feel very self sufficient, and hasn't this taught us? as a human race, a little bit of humility, you know, just a little bit of, we're not as much masters of our own destiny as we thought we were. And for us in the church, many of our props have gone, certainly as leaders, you know, it's, oh my word, how's this going to work? I'm out of my depth. And in the desert, um, he strips you of everything you've relied on. It's dry, it's arid, it's barren, it's huge, it's it's silent. All the other voices are stilled. In the city, there's music everywhere, there's voices everywhere, there's, there's busyness and hustle. In the desert, all the other voices are stilled, and it's in the desert that he can speak to you. There's this one line in Hosea um, where... Um, the Lord says to Israel, you know, you've been like a prostitute. I've loved you like a husband and you've, you've, you've lifted up your skirt to every passing idol. And then he says in Hosea chapter two, therefore I'm going to allure her, allure Israel. I will lead her into the desert and there I will speak tenderly to her. Mm. I love that. Do you know, it's not that he doesn't speak tenderly, in, in the party and in the city, but 
his tender, gentle, still small voice is drowned out. We drown it out. And in the desert, he takes us there, not to punish us, but to meet us and to speak tenderly to us and to allure us and to take us deeper into our first love. And so, you know, the first thing is, is he humbles us in the desert. I can't do this on my own. Maybe I do actually need you. (laughs) Maybe I do need to learn to rely on you. Maybe I do need to seek your face and your presence, you know, and, and, and God hates pride, you know, um, Again and again, the scripture talks about um, the sin of pride. Three times we read in the Bible, three times, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. He opposes the proud. He gives grace to the humble. And, and you know, Paul says to the Philippians, you know, your attitude should be like that of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, don't don't think more highly of yourselves than you ought but in humility, consider others, count others as more, as more valuable than yourself. And, and humility serves. That's why humility <clears throat> and washing feet go together. You know, humility serves. When you're humble, you're, you, you're, you, you're not thinking of yourself all the time. And it's funny, I think it's C.S. Lewis that said, you know, humility isn't thinking badly about yourself. It's just not thinking about yourself. Um, and so that's the first, another lesson in the desert that he taught Israel is the secret of praise and thanksgiving when life is tough. And in these days, I tell you, for many of us, I know for me, I've had to, you know what? I've got time now. Am I going to spend more time in your presence? Am I going, and I have loved it. I have loved it. And when the weather's good, I go into my garden and I have two chairs next to each other. And I put my Bible on one and I sit on the other. And I felt the Lord say to me, before you do anything, just be. Don't give me your list. Because up until now, you know, a lot of my praying had been, here's my shopping list. Here's my list to people to pray for. You know, and here's what, you know, and there's this and there's that. And and it was like, just be, be still and know that I am God. And as I'm still and know that he is God, I start noticing things I never noticed. The amount of birds that are singing, the beauty of creation, the, the wind in the trees. And then I start becoming more aware of his love for me and his kindness, and out of that comes praise and thanksgiving instead of grumbling and complaining. And, you know, the psalmist says, um, I will enter his gates. Enter his gates, the psalmist says, with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. And that's the way in. And Israel had to learn that in the desert before they got into the promised land. If you read Deuteronomy 8, um, you see that, you know, thank the Lord your God for the good land he has given you. But we're not in the good land yet. We can see it, but we're not in it. Now, thank him now. Because if you don't learn to praise the Lord your God for the, for the, for the, for his goodness in the desert, 
Then when you get into the promised land, when you build fine houses and settle down, when your herds and flocks grow large and your silver and gold increase and uh, you are satisfied, then you'll forget the Lord your God. And so for Israel, the easy bit, I think, um, was God taking Israel out of Egypt. The hard bit was taking Egypt out of Israel because in Egypt, in their slavery, they learned to, they moaned and groaned under their oppression. Oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. And he took them out. And, but then they, even though they were free in the desert, they still acted like slaves. They still had the mentality of slavery. And so had God a journey that would have taken, what was it? 10 days or something took 40 years as God had them going round and round in circles until until the mentality of slavery was was taken away and i think in the desert place god frees us it's a liberating place so that we can go back we can go back and be a voice and not an echo sorry that was a very long answer well, you've, only very- two, you've only done two of your points as well well, actually, I put them to, I think the first lesson is humility. The second lesson is praise and thanksgiving when it hurts. And the third lesson is to go deeper. He allures us. Mm. He speaks tenderly to us. And I'll just say this one last thing on that. You know, on the third lesson, um, that um, there's an amazing verse at the end of Song of Songs in chapter 8 where, you know, the the story is an incredible story of a king and his maiden and a love affair between the two. And and the the, the maiden speaks and sometimes the friends speak and, and all of that. But right at the end, um, the friends say about the, the maiden, the beloved, who is this coming out of the desert, leaning on her lover? That is the ultimate purpose of desert times in our lives, that we would come out of the desert, leaning not on our abilities, our own understanding, our own gifts, our good looks for some of us, but leaning instead on the Lord, our lover, because that's our home. That's our true satisfaction. That's what fulfills us. We were made for him. Mm. And our hearts find their true home only in him. And in the desert where everything else is stripped away, we find him in a deeper place. So, so um, sp- speak to someone who's in that place as um, humility, praise and thanksgiving and, and going deeper and, and asking those questions. What, what, do you, what do you actually do? Does, should someone get two chairs in the garden if they're in that place? And what, what, would you, what, do you, what would you say to someone who feels like they're in the wasteland and God is so far away? Yeah, and well, first of all, um, don't focus on the feelings. And that's hard. The feelings follow. It, it depends on where we put our faith. So often we, we spontaneously and naturally put our faith in our feelings. And then we lose sight of the facts. But if we put our faith in the fact of who he is, then our feelings eventually will follow. So don't be discouraged be honest with yourself and him, you know, life hurts right now. I'm anxious right now. You, no one needs to pretend with our, with our king, with our father. So number one, be, be honest and live in his grace 
And that's the other thing. I think for some of us who have, you know, whether you're in Christian leadership or whether you, you've, you've had a role that's, you know, a, 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 a high-powered job in industry or, or you're looking at, you're, you're, you're bringing up three children, you know, our, our sense of worth can so easily be in our role. And actually, this is a time when all of the things that we put our sense of worth in, they're crumbling around us. They don't give me a sense. I just feel a failure right now. You know, I'm stuck at home with 16 kids and they're driving me nuts. You know, I don't feel like a good parent right now. Well, at this point, at this point, feed yourself on truth. What we do is we, what we, I know better than anyone. What I feed on results in my health and feed yourself on truth. And and that's, that's actually a conscious choice. You know, first of all, the book, I love this flipping book, you know, it's, and, and, and just meditate on his word and, and do it yourself. You know, you won't have, you know, easy access to Sunday sermon, you know, it's, and to eat once a week is not good. We're not camels, you know, um, a, a, a bit a day is what works. And, and, and don't just read it like as a religious duty, but Jesus speak to me. Before I open my Bible, I always pray, Holy Spirit, you wrote the book through human agents, but you, you inspired this. Lord, would you interpret it for me? And there's so much, you know, just even the first three chapters of Ephesians. You know, I'm just doing a little study on Ephesians right now. I'll just say this quickly, but, you know, there's there's six chapters in Ephesians. The last three chapters are very practical. How we walk through this life and how we stand against the enemy. But the first three chapters are completely impractical. <laughs> They are completely impressed. It's like, come on, Paul, get on with it. Tell me how to live. But they're brilliant because it's all about our position in Christ. It's all about who he is. He is, you know, when, when, when he completed his work, he sat in the heavenly places at the right hand of the Father and then who we are in him. And we are seated in him with him so oh my goodness i'm i'm seated in christ at the right hand of the father and then paul's great prayers if nothing else i pray that the eyes of your hearts would be opened, that you might know the hope to which he has called you his glorious inheritance in you the saints and his incomparably great power for you who believe and then you know i pray that you would you would know the the length and breadth and height and depth of the love of God, which surpasses knowledge. And all of that stuff, when we get, and, and that stuff, it's in the desert times that we, we have space to meditate on it because the other voices are still. And that's what helps us to do the last three chapters of Ephesians, which is the practical stuff. If you know who you are, and you know who he is and his unconditional love for you, his 
father love, it, it melts you. And that's what starts to change your emotions, your feelings. Um, and I just one little example. Can I, uh, I'll shut up soon. I will shut up soon. Um, um, I, I mentioned earlier, I love seeing my friends Andy and Beth with their four boys. And um, the oldest is Josiah, who's five, and Judah, who's three. And Andy bought a, a tent. And um, uh, a, a week ago, just over a week ago, he pitched it in the back their back garden. I don't know if you call it garden or yard. Yeah. Um, on, on the grass. And, uh, and he decided he was going to camp with his two boys. Um, and they were going to sleep there. And they was, I went there in, in the afternoon to, to inspect and the boys were so excited and they roasted marshmallows on a fire and, um, and they had their, their little beds and they, the boys brought their toys down and, and, and I said to Andy the next day, how was it? And he said, the boys loved it. And so did I. And I said, what happened? Now, normally they go to sleep at seven and he said they were still awake at 11. They were so excited. And I was like, so you were in the tent with them from seven to 11. <laughs> he said, yes. I said, what did you do? I said, and he said, we talked. What, what did you talk about? Oh, all sorts of crazy things. Um, uh, Thomas, the tank engine, um, super Mario, um, a, a Lego, um, dinosaurs, everything. And he said, I loved it. And then, they fell asleep, and in the morning, they 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 made a, they um they did bacon on the little camping stove, and they had bacon bacon sandwiches, and they loved it. And I thought, the boys are five and three. Andy loved talking to them on their level for hours. Mm. What a picture of the fatherhood of God. You know. He, he he's not waiting for us to talk to him about astrophysics and how he created the universe. He he loves when we just talk about Lego and Thomas the Tank Engine and dinosaurs, and he doesn't condescend because he loves being with his children. And when you discover that at a deep level, and you make space for him to speak that into you, that's the beginning of change. Second thing, and I'll shut up. The second thing is, is take time in the desert. Be still and know that I am God is a massive verse for me. And, and actually so often we, we surround ourselves with busyness. So because we don't want to face what's going on inside of us and actually saying, like I've been doing, Lord, here I am. I just want to be with you. Before we talk, I'm just going to hang out with you. I'm going to just be. And do you know what softens happen as well as seeing afresh the beauty of creation, seeing afresh the, the amazing grace of his love for me, then very often after a while it'd be like, do you know, Lord, I've suddenly realized I think I've been a bit anxious the last few days. I've, yeah, now I, I've had this level of, what's that about, Lord? Lord, I'm just going to, 
in your presence, I'm going to ponder that. Gosh, that's what it is. I think that's what it is. I think I felt I've not been doing a good job because I don't know how to. And I've wondered what people have thought about me. Gosh, Lord, if I hadn't just sat in your presence, I wouldn't even have become conscious of that. Well, Lord, I give that to you. It's what you think of me and um, how you love me. And I don't need to impress you. And I'm safe in you. Wow. I feel a bit better. Is that? Well, I'd love to ask you to pray for us. Um, and maybe, uh, maybe particularly, uh, with that idea of people who feel like they're in a, a wasteland at the moment. Uh, I wonder if, if you'd be able to pray for us. Um, and, and, and lead that however you like. Feel comfortable to, to lead that or speak into that in any way that you'd like as you pray. All right. Hey, Jeff, I love you guys. Love your church. And, um, as soon as this is over, whether you invite me or not, I'm coming. We look forward to it. We'll keep the beach nice and warm for you and the crops away. (laughs) No. um, Yeah. um, It'd be a privilege to pray. Why don't we just, and I know for some of you, wherever you are at home, you know, there's kids running around and everything, but just for a few moments, as much as you're able, don't worry about distractions. Just be still. Just be still. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we ask now that you send your Holy Spirit into every home, every garden, wherever we are. We may be apart, but we're one family. Breathe on us afresh. And especially, Lord, for those who are feeling disorientated, maybe low, maybe anxious or confused, maybe fearing the future. Lord, would you breathe on us? We offer you our failures and our mistakes. We thank you that you are bigger. We come to you with our sins and the things that we've said and done that have grieved others and you. And Lord, as we say sorry, as we say we want to turn, we thank you that the blood that was shed covers all our sin. And Jesus, when you died on the cross, not only was your blood poured out for our forgiveness, but the water of your spirit came forth that we might live a new life in you. Spirit of God, 
lead us deeper into the Lord Jesus. Give us fresh revelation of the love of the Father that is beyond human knowledge. And Lord, I pray that your peace, which is beyond understanding, would keep our hearts and minds in Jesus, our Lord. We bless your name. We thank you for your presence and your love. Amen. Amen.